1993, a girl was seen wandering the forest completely alone and covered in blood. When hikers called out to her, she didn't respond. But after getting her some help, it was discovered that the rest of the girl's group had succumbed to something nightmarish. Today, we discuss what is considered to be the other Dyatlov Pass, the Kamar Daban Incident. This is Red Web. Welcome back, Task Force, to another episode of Red Web, the show all about the mysteries that surround us every single day in this weird, weird world. I'm your host to walk you through today's mystery, Trevor Collins, and joining me, hearing this mystery for the very first time, bringing his gut instinct, Alfredo Diaz. All right. So I'm excited. I'm very excited. Okay. Because people ask me all the time, you know, Task Force out there goes, hey, what's your favorite episode? Mm-hmm. I always say Diatlov Pass. Ooh. And if this is like Diatlov Pass, I'm very excited. You know, this could be, it could be one of two things, right? Go good or bad for me. All right. This could be Avengers Infinity War into Avengers Endgame. Oh, <laughs> we, got or, a, we got a succession oh, no. moment happening yeah, here. Or oh, no. uh, Avengers into Avengers Age of Ultron. Oh, right, <laughs> right, right, right. So we'll, yeah. we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. All right. I should also say Red Web, the movie podcast about <laughs> mysteries. Time to movie on that one pretty quick. <laughs> we have a statistic every week. This one was not immediate. And before we dive in, I just want to say we have a list of a few of the sensitive topics that we're going to discuss today in the description. But without further ado, I'm so morbidly curious about this case. I'm, I'm, I'm just eager to dive in. So let me take you back to August 2nd, 1993. A group of hikers set off to trek the Kamar Daban mountain range in southern Siberia. Kamar Daban is a popular destination that is near Lake Baikal, the largest freshwater lake in the world. The group of seven was led by... Ludmila Korovina, who was 41 years old and who was considered a master instructor in hiking and survival. On this particular hike, she brought along six of her best students. They were Tatiana Filipenko, who was 24, Alexander Sasha Krishan, who was 23, Denis Shvashkin, who was 19, Valentina Valia Yutachenko, who was 17, Victoria Vika Zalasova, who was 16, and Tamur Bapanov, who was 15. We have a widespread of students here, young to young adult. Two other hiking groups were exploring that very same area around the same time, in fact. One of them was led by Koravina's own daughter, to the point where they actually had plans to meet up on August 5th as both of those separate hiking groups planned a similar path that would then cross around that date in the same area. In total, the group's planned route was set to be around 70 to 80 kilometers or about 44 to 50 miles. They started from Murino, and they were on their way to the tallest mountain in the range, Kanulu. And eventually they began following the Anikta and the Baita rivers. The weather when they set out looked great. The forecast was clear, sunny, everything looked perfect for their hike. However, as they started off on this journey, the weather seemed to quickly turn sour. Corvina's group faced freezing rain and a snowstorm forcing them to reroute their journey Though they had experience with weather like this, it seemed like they were brave enough to not turn back, to kind of keep pushing forward. But there are some oddities that happen, despite their experience, that only makes this more mysterious. Okay, so there's an experienced group led by a mom, another experienced group led by the daughter. Mm -hmm. At some point, they're going to cross paths. Yep. Skies are clear. All of a sudden, bad weather hits. Yes. Forecasts look great. 
and then it didn't. Right, because it's the year, I mean, even today to this day, the year right. 2023, right. the forecast of like, clear, it's raining half the day. Yeah, I grew up in Indiana, living in Texas. Both states have the same kind of idiom. And so you could just say any insert state here always says, you don't like the weather, go inside for 15 minutes, come back out, and it will be something different. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and, and what I like about this too, very dissimilar to Dyatlov Pass, is that this group actually has a rendezvous point with another group, and so if anything goes sour, I, I just love that. I love that there is, if nothing else, it's a nice little thing for the mother and daughter to meet and their groups to kind right. of meet, but it's also a safety thing. If something goes wrong, people don't show up, you expect to see them on that day, and so you're going to know. Whereas yeah. Dyatlov Pass, it, you know, if you recall, they didn't really have any of that. Once they went out, they kind of disappeared and people were like, wait a minute, they're not coming back. What's right. going on? And then it's like you immediately have action being taken. Mm -hmm. And if anything, you can always do the white people thing on hikes when they go, hi. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the small closed mouth, like, <laughs> very, just, you know, very like, you know, little eyebrow thing. Mm -hmm. It's just a, yeah. mm. if I were to vocalize it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> For me, though, it's where's the nearest bathroom? <laughs> Do you have a gust of AC on you? Yeah, you know, man. Yeah. So anyway, now the weather's turning south. They keep pushing on, though they do change their route because they're experienced. But that evening, Coravina had the group camp on the peak of Retransliator or Mount Tritrans. There, they had no coverage from the freezing rain or the snow. On top of that, they were four kilometers or about two and a half miles from the edge of the forest. It's a very interesting place to have chosen to stay. Sounds miserable. Yeah, yeah an interesting miserable. place from an experienced hiker. Yeah, yeah. But on top of that, almost more strangely even, Corvina chose not to lead the group to the nearby structure, which could have shielded them at least from the precipitation, the freezing rain, the snow, a little bit of the wind. And we do have a photo of what that looked like for the top two photos for you, Fredo. So there's the peak on the mountain yeah. as seen from far away. Oh, you can kind of see how exposed it is. Very exposed. That's going to be some high winds. Mm -hmm. You got nothing cutting the, the the wind currents. No, sir. And then... Oh, come on. So then, oh, I mean, it looks... Yeah, what are you seeing? It's like a wooden structure. Kind of like an unfinished kind of... Um, it's like a... It looks like an old school radio tower. Yeah. Like someone took the bunny ears off the Stick top of the TV. on the bottom, and... gets thinner up top, and then, yeah, you have the little... It's unfinished. Yeah. Um, Two-thirds of it, top two towards bottom is unfinished. I, I mean, if the winds are high, maybe it's not secure? That could happen. It, it could collapse. Yeah. partly built, possibly even abandoned, so I, maybe as a safety hazard. It's possible. You might be right. And we're going to get into the wind speeds, hmm. but they were not slow. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't... I'll be honest, like, Task force, I wouldn't get under that. It's the structure that you wouldn't wind speed put your face. Yeah. yeah, okay. Fair enough. But it did raise some eyebrows when people were kind of looking back on this story. But the next morning, Coravina decided that the group should descend down the mountains. Of course. Waking up, let's continue on our trek. This is where the incident kicks off very quickly. And remember, we're only a day in. They decided to camp that night at the peak of this mountain. And now in the morning, they're heading back down to the forest line. As the group began their descent, Christian collapsed. They had only been hiking for about three minutes at this point when he fell and started to seize. His mouth was foaming and blood was dripping from his eyes, his nose, and his mouth. 
Corvina says, hey, listen, you guys keep on pushing forward. I'm going to stay back with Christian while you guys continue down the mountain. Maybe we can figure this out. As the group of five then left their instructor behind with Christian, almost the moment that they couldn't see their instructor anymore, they heard Corvina screaming. So, of course, all five of them come running back to then witness how the scene had evolved. When they arrived, Christian was no longer moving and likely deceased at this point. While some sources say Corvina began experiencing the very same symptoms, others say that she died of a heart attack from the shock of it all. Chaos erupted, and Filipenko, who was part of the five that came back, also began experiencing symptoms before inexplicably tearing off her clothes while screaming. Zalasova also ripped off her clothes and reached for her throat before repeatedly banging her head into a nearby rock. Yutachenko tried to help, but Zalasova bit her, I believe, on the hand when she reached out to try to stop her from hurting herself. And with all the commotion being too overwhelming, Shvachkin ran and hid from the group. Very yellow jackets, in a sense. He soon then returned back to the group because the scene was not getting any better, and he felt this urge to come back and try to help see what he could do, but ultimately there was nothing that could be done. Shvachkin and Yudachenko decided to leave the area and took the leftover supplies from the group. But unfortunately, soon after leaving the scene, Shvachkin also began exhibiting signs of the very same illness that the other hikers had succumbed to. He fell down and started bleeding, at which point Yudachenko, fearing for her life, ran away. So there's a lot to digest there. Yeah, where is this located again? So this is on the side of the mountain that you have that photo of. Mount Tritrans or Retransliator as it's been called. In what country? This is in southern Siberia. So the the wilderness of northeastern Russia, I believe. I mean, I asked that because, I mean, I don't know. Is that radiation poisoning? Maybe the high dosage of radiation poisoning in that area for some reason? I, I mean, you're picking up on some very similar trends in the theories and anyway, as yeah. far as what Dyatlov Pass kind of discussed. Because, damn... Uh, I don't know what would cause that. This feels, no joke, like a scene straight out of a horror film. Yeah. Mm. Like the way how the, the how rapidly it devolved and just like, it's just such a morbid scene to envision. Yeah. I can't imagine being a 17-year-old Yudachenko being the last one left kind of unaffected by what was going on and just right. being like, oh my God, I, I just got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And she's the one that I teased in the hook. She's the one that bolted off into the woods. Right. I mean, that's, you're 100% correct. That's a movie. Yeah. Right? That all happens, and then Yudachenko's there, unaf- seemingly unaffected, screams, title card comes up, right? Then, cut to the rest of the movie, which is the daughter leading the other oh. group of hikers. Boom. Yeah. That's the movie. Yeah. I mean, that, that this is what it, yeah, it seems like it's a dang horror movie or something. Yeah. Well, that's how that scene ended, as it were. Yudachenko, once again, fleeing for her life, runs into the wilderness. And it wasn't until August 9th, 1993, four days after that scene where her friends had all collapsed, a group of Ukrainian tourists actually found her wandering in the woods. Four days? Four days. What is it? The rule of seven? Like seven days without water, 14 days without food? Like what was it? It's like the survival seven rule of seven. minutes without AC. Se- yeah. <laughs> In Texas? Yes. Yeah. 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 So Christian took a big gulp of water. I, I had to throw some chocolate <laughs> out there. You know? 
It's a rule of threes. Oh, okay. You can survive three minutes without breathable air or in icy water. You can survive three hours in a harsh environment of extreme heat or cold. You can survive three days without drinkable water, three weeks without food. I like the three idea. Three weeks without food. Three weeks. Jesus. You need fresh water for sure. Oh, I like yeah. the idea that you're in the woods going, we got seven. We got seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, true. Don't worry, guys. I think I saw on Netflix the uh, Bible show. We got seven. Yeah. Uh, way up. <laughs> like double. More than double. I think the interesting thing here is that we have a witness. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of you know, majority of the stuff that we cover and these types of situations where there's a large incident with a ton of people, it's just, you know, hearsay or someone that knew the person or whatnot. But we have someone that, you know, experienced all this, survived yeah. four days. I mean, that's a whole story and journey and tale on their right. own. You know, I mean, that's book number two. Um, and so, like, that's I, I'm very very interested to see like what information comes from this because like now my mind's already shifted to like okay this is less like this is what we think happened more so like more like substantiated because of the fact that like there was a witness there was a witness it's not like Dyatlov where they go well they're missing somewhere right. and then eventually they're found and then they just have a very confused scene that they try to Re, like try to understand back engineer yeah. what may have happened. So it, you're right. It does help that Yudachenko, as traumatic as the event is, could mess with memories. However, it is kind of a blessing and a curse that she was yep. a witness to this event to help break down what happened. Because otherwise, I can't imagine what what it would look like to walk in on this scene I, having heard what was described. I just don't know what caused that. I know, right? I mean, we're going to get into yeah. all that in the yeah, theories yeah. and attempt to try to figure it out, but it is definitely a, a unique situation for sure. But, I mean, before we continue, I mean, the Dyatlov Pass similarities are wild. The tearing off of the clothes despite the inclement weather, the odd decision to stay in a certain spot up a mountain when there is coverage really not all that far away. I mean, they weren't very close to the forest. Like, Dyatlov Pass was a little different, but it was an interesting exposed area to stay. And a lot of what we're seeing goes it flies so much in the face of the experience we know they had and so it really just wa- raises a bunch of questions but coming now to yudachenko four days after the event she's found in the woods wandering by this ukrainian tourist group and she could not speak but later it became clear that something had happened to this hiking group of hers that she went through something traumatic most of what we know about this case comes from her later reports soon after the incident though after that she did not want to discuss what happened that day. And so it's not like, you know, things were lost to time or anything. She did give her remarks pretty soon hereafter, but then yeah, never give came people back. people time to settle. Mm-hmm. I mean, the adrenaline and who knows what kind of condition their mental state and body, like physically. Yeah. Yeah. Three weeks later, the bodies of Corvina's hiking group were found still close to the campsite at Mount Tritrans. The search party described the scene as gruesome. Since decomposition had already set in, their eyes were gone and worms were coming out of their mouths. That fast? Yeah. Jesus. Eyes go that fast and then like... uh, It's the soft tissues. Yeah. God. Flies will come in, land on the soft tissues of the tongue. Birds and other uh, scavengers will come for anything they can kind of get a hold of. I mean, another thing too, like we have the bodies yeah. as well. Right. I mean, and you can corroborate that against mm-hmm. her, her report. 
Yeah. And, 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 There's a lot of tangible evidence here. Right. God, gruesome though. So there was also an autopsy done. And in the autopsy report, the pathologist found that the hikers had all died from hypothermia and a protein deficiency, which is interesting. So to clarify, they died from exposure to the cold. And do we know much about the protein deficiency? And I'm sorry, I'm firing from the hip here, Christian and Jillian, but like, I know that long-term cannibalism can lead to protein deficiency, but this is something that happened in the first 24 hours of this journey. Yeah, in regards to the protein deficiency, the most likely cause that they listed was due to malnutrition. Okay, which is interesting because I don't think that malnutrition would set in that fast. You can live three no. weeks without food. Yeah, three weeks without food? No, you got yeah. time. So, I, again, uh, honestly, like, that's it, Red Web, right? This is a mystery. That's why we're covering it. Mm-hmm. But I do like the fact there was an autopsy. How often yeah. do we get an autopsy? Right. Like, so, like, I will say, we do a lot of episodes where it's like, ah, mm-hmm. I love the ones where we get everyone now and then where it's like, okay, this was thoroughly explored. And it seems like this is being thoroughly explored. Yes. Although still a mystery. Yeah. None of that. It, like, it's still satisfying. Yeah. It's still satisfying to hear like your gut instinct come to life where like, I hope they do this and they did this. And you're like, oh, yeah. thank God. They're actually searching yeah. autopsy. Still can't explain any of it, but you know. Right. Now, because of how severe and strange the hiker symptoms were, many people don't really put a lot of stock into the autopsy. They don't believe that what came in those reports was truthful, especially because a group of experienced hikers was likely dressed for the cold weather and had plenty of food, and if not, would know how to properly forage for food if necessary. I'm just saying, because I've been in this show for years now, could be the government intervened. Ooh, we'll put a pin in that. They could have stepped in, intervened. They were running some experiments up there. Boom. You know what I mean? Right. Maybe the lead, uh, the, the person that was leading the hike. Cor- Corvina? Corvina. Maybe they weren't supposed to go up there. They were told not to go up there by the government, but they were close enough to experience exposure to something mm. that the government was... This is what this show has done to me, okay? <laughs> yeah, go ahead and right? put a pin in that one, you listen, too. You listen to episode one, I wouldn't be talking like this. Well, now here I am. Yeah, Down episode one hole. was definitely a... I have no idea what could happen. That's weird. <laughs> no clue. Now I'm over here like, this is how the government stepped in. And this is exactly how this went down. Oh, yeah. We've radicalized him down the conspiracy theorist path. Damn it. I got to be honest, dude. I I love these topics and I love exploring that. But my TikTok algorithm really wants to push me down some dark corners. And I go, Mm-mm-mm. no, we don't do that here. We discuss, we dissect, and we respect. I ain't going down these wild rabbit holes about, yeah. you know. Lizard people or whatever else. (laughs) Yeah. All of them problematic in their own ways. But anyway, back to the case. The average low temperature, just so we can really visualize this scene, 8.7 degrees Celsius. Okay, what's that fair? I'll be on what's that Fahrenheit? 47.7 degrees Fahrenheit. That's pretty nippy. It's kind of nippy. Not too bad. uh, Yeah, we can, I can make do with that. Yeah. Though, of course, it has to be mentioned, freezing rain. Snow coming down. Oh. Heavy winds coming through. I'm talking winds uh, about 33 miles an hour winds. 33? Yeah. It's gusty. Random question. <laughs> I don't know if this is an episode. But say you take a toddler and you open I'm up their... You? Do they open up their jacket? Is yeah. 33 Wait miles an hour enough to, to take to the To parasail that <laughs> child off a mountain? Yeah, is 33 miles an hour enough to take a child? Is 33 miles an hour enough to turn a child feel, into a Superman? I feel like it would take a... 
That's just my random thought. Sorry. I, I don't I'm feel comfortable looking that up. You don't look that, <laughs> up. You don't look that up. That's just a random thought that I had. We leave that on the table for task force uh, big brain scientists yeah, out there to to look that up. I Get mean, your because buff, buffest mathematicians on this. That feels right like now. some strong wins. Like I, as a like you know six one, one eighty five. I feel like he's tried be, to fly on some I, wins. I might be pushing <laughs> against that. You know what I mean? I might be like, ooh, like especially like in a bear like mountain like that oh, where right. they were staying. I feel like I might be like, ooh. oh, I've, I think you could smooth criminal a little bit. Yeah, where you lean yeah, into the wind. Exactly. Yeah. I just wanted to add, like, I googled how bad does thirty mile per hour wind feel? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a near a near gale. It's like right in the middle of this chart. From zero to 12. So it's 12. not skin ripping. Yeah. It's not child flying. No. Well, <laughs> but it is, a, it is a healthy gust. But I'm I mean, not entirely it, sure. Whole trees in motion, inconvenience felt. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. So not that bad. I mean, but I mean, if it's, if it's cold and snowing, you might feel a little bit of like it's, chill. It's going to be a wind spikes. chill factor yeah, wind for chill. sure. Okay. For what it's worth right now, the wind outside is 10 miles an hour. Here in Texas, if you walk oh, outside that, it's not right now, a child. <laughs> yeah. that's a gentle breeze. That's a gen- yeah. number three. One last thing that I want to note as we kind of close out the narrative portion of this mystery is, and it's important, all the hikers had eaten together and consumed the same food all at the same time. That could play into this protein deficiency, but it's also worth note as we approach the theories, if there was anything in the food. Maybe that's why they all had the same like, symptoms, except for one. That's it's an oddity. God, how did I miss that? What'd you miss? No, I didn't think about the food that they consume or the or you were the, stuck the on the your liquids. three weeks without. <laughs> yeah, so I was stuck on the seven day rule that was three. <laughs> but like, yeah, like who's to say that like the food was consumed by every by everybody but the person that survived? Well, we'll we'll address that too. Oh, okay, yeah, but. Just to tease you a little bit, because it's not going to be right away, but she she herself claimed that she had the same stuff, same food, same water. More than likely, she did. Yeah. You know? What is up, Task Force? It is, again, that time in the episode where we get to part the seas of the mystery. Take a breath. A lot of us are scared sometimes. It's okay. The mysteries can be frightful or intriguing. I don't know what I'm saying. Listen, there's a lot going on in the Red Web universe, and we're uh, we're preparing for the Halloween special. We, Alfredo and I, are about to go to the haunted ghost ship to hunt ghosts for the Halloween special. I'm so excited, and if you're ready for it, mm, let your friends know. The ghost hunting will continue this year. Let all your friends know. Make a drinking game out of it. I don't know what you want to do with it. There's There's been a lot of things that people have done with it, but... My favorite part is seeing how you guys interact with it and the evidence and the stuff that we didn't see in the moment. It's one of my favorite things we get to do every year, and I'm so stoked for it. Also, if you want to support the show, go to roosterteeth.com slash sign up to become a first member. It's essentially our Patreon, and every month that you are a member for $5.99, it is the equivalent of listening to 600 episodes of this show because of all the ads that we have to to, to read and everything, and uh, it's the number one way to support us. All that money goes 100% to us. There's no middlemen. There's nothing like that. And you get ad-free content. We're also working on bonus content. I don't want to spill the beans because we're working on, let me just say it, we're bringing Case Files back. It's going to happen. You're going to get a bonus episode every other week of Case Files for first members exclusively, among a few other small things like that. So if that sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show, please do so. Once again, roosterteeth.com slash sign up to become a first member. Thank you so much. The reviews are still pouring in. The shares the merch, it's all there. You know what it is. With that said, 
let's talk about some of today's fantastic sponsors. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Have you ever had those restless nights where you can't fall asleep because your mind is racing? I know I have. It's like your head hits the pillow and suddenly you just floor it. Pedal to the metal, thoughts about the day, all your worries, all your stresses, whatever's going on. But there's something that can help with that. Spoiler alert, I've already said it, it's therapy. It's one of the best ways to help you put a stop to all those racing thoughts. You got to give a voice to them. Talk to somebody and talk these thoughts through. Therapy can provide a safe space where you can give those thoughts some much-needed attention. It's like pressing the pause button on a whirlwind in your mind and finding some clarity amongst the chaos. When it comes to BetterHelp, I really appreciate just how accessible they make their services to anybody who is not only looking to try therapy for the first time, which can be a very daunting task, but also people who might be more accustomed to therapy. They make it easy to find somebody that suits you. They're very flexible with their schedule. And if you are just seeking, dipping your little toes in, I really enjoy how easy they make it. You just fill out a questionnaire and they can, boom, nail you down, figure out what you need, and then find that person for you to make your therapy journey a little bit more digestible. It can be very daunting. And if you're thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. Their platform is convenient. Like I said, it's flexible. It's done entirely online and it's designed to fit your personal schedule. And by the way, if you get into the service and you have a therapist and you want to try a different therapist, maybe it's not clicking. It's a very important part of the process. You can switch therapists hassle-free and there's no extra charge on top of that. Get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp online therapy. Visit betterhelp.com slash redweb today to get 10% off your first month. Once again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash redweb. This episode of Redweb is also sponsored by HelloFresh. Fall is sneaking up on us whether we're ready for it or not. God knows I am. Me love the ghouls. But guess who's here to make that transition scrumptiously smooth for you? That's right. You know what it is. Spoiler alert. I already said it once again. It's HelloFresh. A new season calls for new meals to really imbibe in the feel, the transition of the weather. All of it is better accentuated with those different tastes. And HelloFresh has a fresh fall lineup of delicious dinners and more to choose from. Take your pick from 40 weekly recipes that suit your lifestyle. They've got veggie. They've got family friendly. They got fit and wholesome. Anything that you might be needing, it fits your diet. HelloFresh can help you ditch waiting in line at the grocery store because they are a meal planning hero. Okay. They roll up to you with pre-proportioned ingredients, recipes that are so simple that you can follow with the pictures and you'll feel like a master chef. I've learned so many recipes through HelloFresh, honestly. Plus, HelloFresh is 25% cheaper than takeout and less expensive than grocery shopping all in one fell swoop. I've talked about it a lot, but you know me. I really enjoy HelloFresh. It gets me a lot more comfortable in the kitchen. I also try a lot of new recipes that I never thought I would, but I enjoy it. We still use it almost every single week. And recently I made this meatloaf, this pork meatloaf, and it was a new way for me to make this particular recipe. And God, was it good. And it made enough to have leftovers so I can come right back around the bend and have it twice my favorite part. If you're interested and you're hungry, because I can hear that tummy rumbling from here, go to hellofresh.com slash 50 red web and use code 50 red web. And to be clear, that's five zero red web. And you're going to get 50% off plus free shipping. Once again, if you want 50% off drum roll, please, plus free shipping, you can go to hellofresh.com slash 50 red web, use code 50 red web to let them know we sent you and fill that stomach. HelloFresh. This episode of Red Web is also sponsored by Rocket Money. Now that pretty much everything is a subscription service, it can be very difficult to track just how much money we're spending each and every month. 
so many things that you buy year subscriptions for, month subscriptions for, free trials for. I can't keep track of it all personally. That's why I really enjoy what Rocket Money has to offer. By the way, let me just ask you, Task Force, did you know that 80% of people have subscriptions that they've completely forgotten about? Seriously, think about all the subscriptions that you've maybe dabbled with that you yourself might have forgotten about. Again, those free trials that turn into paid and you just never thought about it, so you never really canceled it because you never even opened the app. Rocket Money is the ultimate personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending and it helps lower your bills all in one place. Again, we've talked about it. Fredo uses it all the time and I really enjoy it because all the credit cards you might have out there are all condensed in one app. You can see all the subscriptions you have going on. You see all your payments. And if you just don't want to confront somebody on the telephone or figure out how to cancel something, you just tell Rocket Money to do it and they will handle it for you. I love that part so much. So stop wasting your money on things that you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash redweb. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash redweb. Somebody just grabbed their pen and pencil. Hold on, this is for them. rocketmoney.com slash redweb. And with that said, let's dive right back into the mysteries. But I have some thoughts. Okay. We'll get there. But let's start with the theories. Some have suggested that a certain low frequency could have caused the symptoms the hikers experienced. If you know the Dyatlov Pass incident that we talked about, please go check out that episode. We did kind of dabble with this theory. According to Baikal Daily, a local news source, quote, Olat Vladimir Borzenkov, one of the first to deal with the case, came to the conclusion that the death of young hikers was due to strong emissions of infrasound. So due to the location of the mountains, wind speeds, as I mentioned, can reach around 33 and a half miles per hour, or if you prefer metric, as I've been doing so far, 15 meters per second. Now, these high winds can produce infrasound or a low frequency sound. These frequencies are too low for humans to hear, but if there was an elephant up there, they'd catch it. Now, interestingly, this was a theory posed, like I said, to explain the Dyatlov Pass incident. Some have suggested that this infrasound can be detrimental to humans Though, of course, more study is needed to kind of look a little closer to this and confirm it. If these studies are true, however, symptoms of infrasound can include nausea, vomiting, bowel spasms, loss of sleep, shortness of breath, panic or anxiety, severe dread, vertigo, pressure in the ears, and resonance in internal organs, including the heart, which sounds scary. I mean, if you even get half of that, that's terrifying. Also... Is the person that survived the youngest of the group? She's 17, so she's near the youngest, but there was a 15 and 16-year-old. Damn. I was thinking the same thing. Right, because as you get older, you start to lose a little bit of hearing, Mm -hmm. and so you can't hear certain frequencies the older you get. Yeah. And so I was thinking, okay... It's usually the high end. Is it? Yeah, it's usually the high end, so I'm thinking maybe they were safe because Mm. they were younger. They couldn't hear the... The high-end frequency, Yeah, se. yeah. But dang! Yeah, this is what's so potentially spooky about these infrasounds. And if, if the studies are true and they are that detrimental to your health and you can't hear them, that's kind of like this ominous presence that you kind of can't even be aware of until you start feeling symptoms. And again, if it can hit the resonant frequency of any of your organs, it's going to start tearing you apart. Like, yeah. that is scary and could address why... Suddenly, in just three minutes, they started dropping, bleeding from the eyes and mouth and nose. Wild stuff. Research by psychologist Richard Wiseman 
he suggested that infrasound could contribute to paranormal events like ghost sightings. Is this, I mean, Dyalov Pass and this are not the first time we've mentioned infrasound. I, whoa. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. So in his 2003 study, 22% of subjects reported more supernatural feelings when infrasound was present in music. Basically, kind of, listen to this music, tell us what you feel, and they snuck this in to some of the controls, and when they did, they noticed an uptick about 22% of people feeling paranormal events around them, or like a presence or something. Or like paranoia, or... Oh, yeah, 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 like the feeling of being watched, and things of that nature. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That is such an eerie... By the way, I know this is an aside, but when I'm in the woods, or I'm in my house alone, and you get that feeling like someone's watching that is such an instinctual evolutionary instinct that you have i almost have to believe that there's some sense that it's picking up on or that it's your subconscious in tune with a sight or a sound that your consciousness isn't aware of yeah Um, isn't it like the feeling of gravity isn't that your your sick your sixth sense is technically the feeling of gravity i haven't heard that but i love that so you can feel the change so it's not a ghost it's just wait it's a, it's a ghost manipulating space-time. Am I go. crazy? Have no, you heard I've never heard that, though. Christian? I've never heard that before. But I love it. I love that. A ghost okay. just kind of Maybe I made bending. that up or read it on Reddit. Well, you heard it here first. Interstellar stuff. I don't know. But either way, I, I'm just so personally infatuated with the I'm being watched sense that I, I feel like I would love to fully understand what makes that happen. Mm-hmm. And maybe, uh, maybe Task Force knows. But coming back to the idea of this study... This study could imply that Yudachenko's memories of her group's death, everything she experienced and shared with everybody, everything we know to this day, could have actually been influenced by the presence of infrasound. So not only could it have created the event, it could have also influenced how she remembered it, which casts a lot of potential doubt on both sides of this event. Jeez, what stops someone from like going downtown and then just putting that frequency on a speaker? Oh, I don't like that idea. Like this, 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 this that sounds right. like a bad Batman villain. <laughs> yeah. The soundster. I will hook up a series of PA equipment, and I will make the town go wild. I mean, seriously, though. Yeah. I mean, that's not out of the ordinary. I mean, again, a lot of studies need to be done to confirm these, these things, but... If, but if anything, it's it mostly be the soundster goes downtown, does that, and everyone just says, hey, shut the hell up. Right, right. <laughs> it's just annoying pitch, turn it like, down. sounds right. instead of, like, changing I mean, the... I'll be honest. I've been on 6th Street here in Austin. I feel like it's surrounded with infrasound. It's true. I'm always feeling uncomfortable. <laughs> but ultimately, let's just say this. There's no way to properly confirm that this is what the hikers experienced that day, nor is there any really evidence to definitively say that infrasound can cause these paranormal experiences, just to be totally honest about it all. So both the physical and psychological symptoms could be explained by infrasound, except the bleeding, unless it's like some sort of tissue damage. Then it's like a wildly loud sound that they can't hear. But otherwise, like, it's it's an interesting theory. Yeah. It's, it's a potential. Oh, and the last thought we have here is, is a, a good one. Honestly, if infrasound was strong enough to cause this to happen in everybody else so quickly, so violently, why didn't Yudachenko experience any physical ailments herself? Why didn't she succumb to it when she was running away even? You know? That's, I think, going to be what follows us throughout these theories. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's the factor right there. I thought it'd be age. I'm glad, well, not glad, but like, to be it's able a good to instinct, see I mean, that there's other, there are other 
kids in that age range kind of marks off that thing, right? Otherwise, a lot of things would be like, well, she's younger. Right. She's younger. Right. Um, but we could take that off the list. Yeah. It, it only makes it more confounding, right? When you can't find something a little bit more straightforward to kind of point to. Now, another theory that's been presented is that Coravina's group symptoms were actually caused by some kind of food poisoning, such as mushrooms. Coravina was known to forage for her food on her hikes, and depending on the type of mushrooms, the symptoms could include tripping like crazy. Okay, I added that. <laughs> That's just me. I mean, yeah, though. Psychedelic mushrooms. Right. But beyond that, I mean, there are a plethora of mushrooms that are out there, it feels like, just to kill you. Like, there's so many poisonous mushrooms, and depending on the level that you eat or how many or whatever, you could experience nausea, vomiting, wheezing, increased irregular or slowed heart rate, hypotension, vertigo, loss of coordination, hallucinations, convulsions, and even death. The sole survivor, Yudichenko, told investigators that they had plenty of food with them on this journey and that everyone ate the same food, but did not mention any foraging or eating any mushrooms or any foods that could have similar effects. Yeah, and with that many people experiencing, like, these weird effects, it's not like they all secretly decided to eat a mushroom and then didn't tell her about it. You know what I mean? Right. That would have been a group thing where... Um, Another know, Yellow Jacket reference, by the way. Yeah. Now the, that I think about it. The, but, the instructor was just like, hey, everyone, it's this is this mushroom that grows in this area. This is edible. Look at me right. eat it. Now you guys can all eat it if you want to. Yeah. Like, it would have been a group activity. Right. It would have been very much something to report. To, yeah. to everyone. So, I mean, and on top of that, too... Corvina was a very experienced hiker. She knew yeah. this area as well. It is unlikely, logically speaking, that she would not know what was safe. And so if she was foraging for food, she would probably know what would be safe. And so it is an interesting theory. It does really start to help address some things. But this is where the case gets very difficult is because they've already made a few decisions that start to make you wonder why they do that if they have this experience so does that open the door to mistakes made while foraging? Uh, did something that they did or experienced cause confusion that then folded on top of itself and just kind of created a runaway moment? It's hard to say. But I do know that Yudachenko mentioned they had plenty of food. So if that's the case, foraging also seems less than likely. Well, it could have just been an outdoor activity to do. Honestly, yeah. They're you know, students. Yeah. Maybe she's like, to your point... This is stinging nettle. I hope that's in Siberia. This is a mushroom. This is a safe one to eat. Let me demonstrate. Mm -hmm. But again, like, Yudachenko either forgot about that, didn't report it, or didn't think of it as having any consequence. So I mean, it seemed like a, eventually they were of sound mind. And so I feel like that would have been something that was sad. Yeah. They weren't out there for that long. Right, exactly. What was it, like a day? A day. Then they came back? It was that next morning, yeah. I mean, granted, she did have four days by herself in the wilderness, but it seems like she was mentally strong enough to piece together what happened in some form of detail. Yeah. So that, I feel like that would have been left in. Yeah. I just don't and, think they, they took mushrooms. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but based on the scene that they found, as gruesome as it was... It did match what Yudachenko's story had said as far as who did what with where, where people were. That's kind of the scene that they saw. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, there were there were injuries to the bodies that corroborated some of the stuff that she was claiming. Gotcha. 
So it's hard to even start to think about mistaken memories. So yeah, really the only hole here is that maybe she just didn't mention it. And then after that point, she never mentioned it again. So, yeah. But moving on, like the Dyatlov Pass incident, something supernatural has been suggested as a theory for the Kamar Daban incident. Many other worldly entities have been suggested, including, of course, it's time to ring that bell, aliens. Ooh. Yeah. Now, that's as simple as that one gets. Was Were aliens present? Did they encounter a mysterious otherworldly force, etc.? It kind of, period, ends there. Yeah. But this is where the supernatural theory gets very interesting. So one supernatural event that isn't often talked about or mentioned is that of the Lake Baikal swimmers. There are many paranormal theories about Lake Baikal itself simply due to its sheer size. Stories are told, though, of silver or even clear human-like beings with fishtails living in these waters. Even on the peak of the mountain, they were still very close to this lake, so it's possible that any entities living in the lake could have made contact with this group. What happens after that is kind of up to debate, but the idea is maybe these kind of these cryptid sort of entities living in the lake interfaced with them, interacted with them, or, and some believe that aliens and the swimmers are one and the same, that these were aliens living in or studying the lake that then came out to study these people, experiment with these people. Ultimately, there are many theories around this lake being home to something paranormal. And as vague as that may be, this could be the origin of what went down that night. Ooh. Yeah, it'd be sci-fi, right? Big, huge, gigantic lake. Lots of rumors already to say mm-hmm. that that's not what they ended up encountering. Um, that's interesting. It's very interesting. I, of course, I don't expect any type of tangible right. proof or evidence to come along with that. That is a beautiful tale to me. Unless one of these congressional hearings starts making some moves. <sighs> I know. I can't answer that. I have to do it off the record in a secret room. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. If I went, if I ever went to a congressional hearing or court and started answering like that, they'd be like, sir... You're impeding justice. (laughs) (laughs) You're impeding the investigation. But yeah, I do love a good supernatural take. And I had no idea that there were kind of cryptid style entities. Yeah, they're kind of cryptid. Yeah. And And hey, it supports my underwater alien theory. They also just discovered recently a new biome even further under the ocean within the floor of the ocean. Wait, seriously? Yeah. They're microorganisms like living in little veiny rivers that flow underneath the the seabed. And so, listen, I'm holding out for hollow earth aliens. I still feel like there's stuff that's like, I don't know, maybe some type of species or something that's Mm -hmm. just so far in like into the like depths of the water of this planet that we just have yet to. Kaiju. Cthulhu. Seriously, though. Yeah. If nothing else, I, I just love that idea spooky as it may be. Now to close us out on the theories, we're going to end with a popular theory on this case, and it's that the Coravina hikers came into contact with something that they shouldn't have, such as a nerve gas, and that the Russian government covered it up. So all those things I asked you to pin, pull them back off the corkboard. Boom. We're getting in. So a nerve agent, I'm sure we've all heard of them, but let's break it down real easily. It's a chemical, usually in gaseous form, that disrupts the nervous system and can cause symptoms 
notwithstanding, but including profuse salivation, sweating, and tears, muscle cramping, weakness, and or paralysis, convulsions, vomiting, asphyxiation, chest tightening, coma, and of course, death. All right. I was, the first half of that, I was like, it's not really lining up. And the mm-hmm. back half of that, a little bit of it does. Yeah. Yeah. Collapsing, the bleeding, of course, the death. But yeah. But I mean, who's to say they're not testing a different type of nerve agent, right? Yeah. And it affected the body in this way. Absolutely. A nerve agent could also explain why Yudachenko did not experience any symptoms because according to the Virginia Department of Health, if someone only breathes in a small amount of nerve agent and then quickly leaves the area, they could survive. It is interesting because we did see a couple of the students run off and then run back into the fray to kind of help. Ultimately, she was kind of in the fray, but maybe she was on the fringes. We don't know where her placement was, but we do know that in the end, she did flee and did not return. I mean, also, if there was like harsh winds, it could have been that the wind literally just blew it through a certain group of people. Entirely possible. And I'm going to kind of spiral a little bit, but this is where I wanted, and I was kind of talking with Jillian before we recorded, and if it was a nerve agent, something of that nature, or something that was poison, you start to think, well, they all ate the same foods at the same time. Why was one person not impacted? And I was starting to think, like, what if, because when you drink water and you're on a hike, you don't all drink at the same time. You just kind of drink when you have it or when you're thirsty. And that, to me, whether it be nerve agent or food poisoning or anything else, seems to be like the only variable that hasn't really been discussed around this case that she could have just not had drank as often as everybody else, drunk at different times, and then their water source, however they gathered it, whatever it may be, could have been tainted in some way. And maybe, just maybe, she didn't imbibe her water at the specific time that would have caused her to fall ill as well. Yeah. I mean, this reminds me of a there's a survival competition show that I watched mm-hmm. called Alone where they just drop off. They pick a location, you know, and they just drop off like 12 people and they're by themselves. They stick in their little area and they have to survive for as long as they can. And you will see people that are just not the, the most skilled when it comes to hunting, shelter, gathering, etc. Um, and then you'll see people that are very skilled that uh, you know they're 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 finding food they're, they've built a great shelter but the the factor there is always the drinking water always they'll like even if they boil it people will be taken out just because they just they just got some kind of like infection in them because mm-hmm. of the water that they drink and it's just like it just takes people out and you think you're safe because you boiled it but you just never truly know like yeah, it's it's rough, man. And, yeah. it, and and then also it's also the amount of that water that you drink too. So Absolutely. I totally see this. Yeah. And so again, it could be environmental or as we're going to get to, it could have been some sort of nerve agent that happened to blow across the group, infect certain things and by some sort of freak happenstance, she was not impacted. But interestingly, when we talk about the nerve agent theory in particular and the idea of a cover-up, Russia and the Soviet Union were experimenting with a group of nerve agents called Novichok. From 1971 to around 1993, a very similar time period, the year this tragedy took place. There are five known agents that were developed through this program, and many of them were either solids or liquids at room temperature. The solids would be dispersed as kind of like a dust or a powder. And so now you can imagine how that would be windswept, especially in such weather conditions. And then Liquids, of course, can be dispersed in many different ways. Aerosolized, water, rivers, etc. Regardless, 
There is still much unknown about the program, but if this was a cover-up, there's room to believe that this could be a factor, not the reason, but a factor for these experiments ending in 93. There are other more politically inclined reasons for this experiment to have been ended, but that's a whole different topic. Either way, with this occurring in such a popular tourist destination, the Russian government may have wanted to kind of cover up any sort of nerve agent tests going on. They wouldn't have wanted that to go public, especially if they were purposely doing it and testing it on people. You wouldn't want that out. Beyond active testing, this could be a case where the nerve agents may have been disposed there or disposed somewhere. Oh, yeah, that's right. mm -hmm, And then they make it that way. Or maybe it was a secret test going on nearby, but in some way they were just impacted, you know? This would also explain why the pathologist seemed to ignore the strange symptoms of the hikers and why a search for them didn't start until a week after the hikers didn't return home. Jesus. Yeah. Why? Well, you might be thinking, like Dyatlov, uh, inclement weather, let's see if they come home. What a great excuse. But the weather in this case was... It was bad, though. No, it was good. It was good? By the time that they could have searched for the bodies, it had cleared up. They could have started right away, and so it is a little bit of an oddity that Mm. there was a delay in the start. It's why people don't want to believe the autopsies, because they're like, okay, you mentioned hypothermia, you mentioned the protein deficiency, but you're ignoring, like, how how does that answer the screaming the convulsions of like tearing clothes off and grasping at the throat and the bleeding like come on seems like, I are mean, you part of this ah this this, uh, mm-hmm. this makes me lean towards like a government cover up type yeah. of situation it's a substantial theory and it's oh, why it's one of the most popular ones theory mm-hmm. the main wrinkle you know i like these wrinkles mm-hmm. i like to make these theories old when it comes to the nerve agent idea novichok nerve agents aren't known to cause bleeding, though some have argued that we only know about recorded symptoms. Yeah. In a few public cases, such as the Skripal poisoning, when a double agent and his daughter were actually killed in the UK in 2018, and from that, we knew some of the symptoms of some of these Russian nerve agents, but it's only because we saw what victims went through. So it's possible that some of these symptoms fell, fell through the nooks and crannies. We don't have experience to them. But it is a wrinkle that maybe it isn't. There's not a wide public test bed, though. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So you you don't, I mean, you have a handful of people and how it affected them. But who's to say that when you test it on a bigger population of human beings that there isn't an underlining common factor that just so happened to not pop up in the first test. It's a great point. It's a very good point. Either way, it has to be said, and I, I imagine it's true, but it is kind of an assumption that there's got to be a lot of nerve agents that exist out there, biological weapons, oh, technologies, yes, 100%. that the public is just not aware of, Mm-mm. let alone the symptoms caused from those. On top of that, too, it is worth mentioning that hypothermia, oddly enough, can cause increased bleeding. It doesn't necessarily address why the bleeding started in the first place, but it can address the increased bleeding. So combined with a nerve agent, it's unknown exactly what symptoms would arise especially without knowing what nerve agent would have been in place. But that is the end of the theories. Wow, that's a that's some juicy mystery. Tell me now, are we talking uh, Age of Ultron or are we talking Endgame? Uh, we're talking Endgame. That was a good one. Yeah. Uh, just simply because there was just so much there. Right. I loved all the tangible side of it. I loved the pragmatic approach to 
trying to resolve it. Of course, you have a few hiccups mm -hmm. with people wanting to not believe the autopsies. You have some confusion as to why the search was delayed a little bit. But other than that, I mean, we know so much more about this case. Right. It could have been a situation where, unfortunately, Yudachenko passed and we would have had another Dyatlov pass on our hands where people just go, they didn't come home. They didn't meet us up on mm -hmm. August 5th at this conjunction of paths. So they're somewhere. And then probably weeks would have unfolded once again. Right, until they found... And then it would have just been like, what is this scene? Why does that rock have blood on it? Why are half of them naked? Why are they bleeding from different orifices? It would have yep. been so much more scary. Very confusing. So confusing. Theory there would have probably been like wildlife or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe a bear came through and then tore people up. Yeah. But this has been the Kamar Daban incident. I feel like this... I'm catching some fumes... And it smells a lot like cover-up. I agree with that. Also, damn, there's a lot of mysteries on this planet. Yeah. Like, in, in every facet, Everywhere. category, anything. Anything you think of. I like, want to do a show goodness. where we call it, uh, I don't know what we call it. I couldn't come up with a clever name just then. <laughs> but we throw a dart at the map and we find a mystery that is where it landed. Because I bet you, oh, you could do that. Oh, yeah, 100%. I bet you could do that. Oh, man. Yeah, this planet yeah. is got a, a, a thick veneer. Of mystery over it and that's why we're here task force reminder next week we have no new episode on the 18th because we are traveling to the uss hornet to do our halloween special we're so excited about it filming ahead of time we're gonna hope to see some ghosts some ghouls but otherwise we'll see you on the other side of that one for some nice halloween themed spooky eerie topics so stay tuned and with that said fredo i'll see you right back here next monday for yet another mystery mystery